This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Again, phone lines open the rest of the way at 315-437-7644 as we switch gears here in hour number two. Spend hour number one talking about the NFL draft, which begins tomorrow down in Dallas. We're going to spend a lot of time here in hour number two talking about college basketball. The commission on NCAA basketball, uh, led by Condoleezza Rice, releasing its recommendations today on how to reform college basketball. And at the top of the list, Seth, was putting an end to the one-and-done rule. We know that's an NBA rule. She wants, and the commission wants, players to be able to go straight from high school to the pros if they're ready. If the NBA does not agree, if the NBA does not change the rule, she wants the NCAA to look into other options. One of the options on the table for her anyway, making freshmen ineligible, which is never going to happen. Or that number is, two. I, hold on. Hold on. Can hang I, on. Let me finish. Okay. Or number two, the, the other option she threw out there was locking up scholarships for three to four years. So if you sign... Right. Name, name a name a recruit. If you, if you sign Mar- uh, Jalen Carey and he well, goes after you, one year, if you sign Marvin Bagley and fine. you know he's and a he one goes, and done, your scholarship that locked up scholarship for three years is locked anyway. up for three to four years. Which is um, okay. So so so, so Steve, here's a question that I will ask you: What is the stupidest possible thing Condoleezza Rice could have come out and suggested today? Like, what is the dumbest possible idea she could she could have come out and suggested today? <laughs> Making freshmen ineligible. Yes. So why is it there? <laughs> It is literally the stupidest thing you could have asked. It is the dumbest thing you could have thrown out there. Yeah, that's never going to happen. No! And it's so stupid and short-sighted. Okay, great. Let's make freshmen ineligible. And let's see how many of them show up to college. Let's see how many kids decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go play college basketball. Like, it's the stupidest idea ever. And that's one of the things that they bring to the table. I think that this commission wasted their time. I don't think that they came to any decent findings you you say they the their first big overarching suggestion is get rid of the one and done they can't do that they can't do that like they need the nba to do it and oh by the way the problem that happened right the fbi the shoe company the whole thing isn't a one and done problem like that that's not a one and done issue and and it's not the reason why this commission was put together. This commission was put together to try and clean up college basketball and see what the NCAA could do and build to to make the game cleaner and they say, well, the the NBA has to do better on on the one and done rule. The, the the shoe companies have to get out of grassroots basketball and have to show us more transparency, and we should create a new division of the NCAA and give more jobs to these people who don't know what they're doing. Like they didn't take any accountability. They 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 pushed off all accountability to the NBA and the shoe companies. It it's mind blowing to me. The one thing I think they got right, and this is going to be on the NCAA now to fix, is the the penalty aspect of if you cheat. You know, this commission is calling for for stricter penalties. And I've said this all along. I compare it to PED use in baseball, and I always say that the risk has to outweigh the reward if you truly want to get rid of it. So in this case, the commission is saying if you cheat, instead of being suspended for, you know, a head coach is suspended for five games, nine games, whatever the case may be, maybe that coach has to sit out the whole year. Or instead of a one-year postseason ban, Depending on the violations, maybe it's a four or five year postseason ban, which would really do a lot of damage to that program. Now, again, I don't know what the happy medium is. I don't know where they settle on this. I do think 
And that is something the NCAA can do is if you cheat, like these are the guidelines, and maybe you have to adjust the guidelines to some degree and determine, you know, what's cheating and what isn't, or, you know, one paper that was written for a student, is that really the the same thing as, you know, what happened at Louisville or North Carolina or, you know, on down the list? I think there there has to be varying degrees of, you know, severity of penalties. And I know those are in place now, but there's a lot of gray area. My point is, I do think they have to have stricter penalties from top to bottom. Sure. So that... If you cheat, you you are punished in a in a in a harsh way. Look, I I agree with that. I I agree with their idea that players should be able to to enter the draft and and not and be able to come back if they go undrafted. But they didn't even do that right. Like they said that you can't hire an agent. So who's going through the whole draft process without an agent? Like it just doesn't work. I I so like it, it seems like they did some things that that make a lot of sense, but. It, I don't think that they did what everybody thought they would, right? I don't think that they came out today and they had these bombshell changes to the NCAA that are going to shake college basketball to their core and and change how the sport is forever. Like that, that's not what this is, right? Instead, it feels like a double down on this is the NCAA. These kids are student athletes. We need them to be students first, and they come here to get degrees. And I don't know if you saw the quote from the the uh, Notre Dame president, but he was like. Uh, give me one moment as I find it. What our commission believes, I think, what what our commission believes, I think what the NCAA believes, is that the interest in college sports is due to the fact that these students are pursuing degrees. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that seems to me they missed the point. Well, I will say this. You know, Condoleezza Rice mentioned this in her remarks, is that she does think that there should be two tracks, right? There should be the track for... The prospect who just wants to go to the NBA and stay in college for a year or whatever the case may be, or, you know, in her opinion, jump straight from high school to the pros. There should be one track for the player that is a pro prospect that knows he's not staying through school, and there should be another track for guys who are going to go three to four years. Now, we all know the baseball model. The baseball model is you can go right after high school if you want. If you get drafted and you feel comfortable with where you're drafted, you go. If you decide to go to school, you're locked in for three years. Again, I think there has to be a happy medium if that's the model you want to pursue. With college basketball, maybe it's two years, and and then you eliminate the one and done. Um, I do like the fact that you can return to school if you're not drafted. Yep, that's that great seems rule. to put... That seems to put the players' interest first. What doesn't put the players' interest first is uh, not make, letting them. <laughs> well, making freshmen ineligible. That, well, well, what's not putting the 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 players' interest first is saying, yeah, you can go through the whole draft process, but don't do it. Don't hire an agent. How does that benefit the player? You know, like how how does that benefit them? Because I think that any player who's gone through it will tell you it's it's nearly impossible to go through this process without an agent, right? I mean, you need the agent to set up workouts. You need the agent. To to contact to get you connected with teams and forget about that. Like, how about you need a place to go work out? Like, like you need a place to go in the gym for however many hours a day, and and you need trainers, and, and the agent is able to provide all that. And if you truly want to remove the thumbprint from the agents and the shoe companies, like again, why not just put it all on the table? Why not let? a high school senior, have an agent, and then that way there's not these, you know, backroom deals between agents and I parents and more. shoe companies. And So, yes, I think they missed the point on that as well. I, it, there, reform needs to be made. We know that. I think they, they're walking that fine line of trying to keep these kids amateurs 
and at the same time acknowledging that it's big business. And that's why right. it's there are no easy answers. That's why I say, well, they they you know they got the idea on some things, but they missed the point on others. Well, there is I the easy answer. The problem, you just don't like the easy answer. Is just start paying everybody. Well, no. Well, yes and no. I, again, I would say control your own likeness and, and no, I know, and I pay them that you, way. You're right. I, I don't love that because then it becomes a bidding war for all these. You know, and, and then you know it is. But at least, but at least that way, it's not uh, paying based off what your program makes. So, oh, Kentucky basketball makes more money than Syracuse basketball. If you go to Kentucky, you're getting more money. You know, like it's it's at least a little different in that regard where. It's not just saying, "Hey, this basketball program is this size; they make more money." This is well. Again, what you I'll get. use the example of you set up an autograph signing for a recruit, and you say, "You know, what? you come here first day of classes. We'll, you know, set you up with an autograph signing. You'll make a hundred thousand dollars." And then another program says, "Oh, they're, they're going to give you a hundred thousand. We'll give you, a, you know, one fifty. Whatever the numbers are." Then it becomes a bidding war in my mind if you're able to do that because that is benefiting off your likeness, right? If you're you know, again, the the top high school recruit in the country. You know, you come here, we'll pay you. You know, we'll pay you this. You know, you you can you can benefit off your life. I just I don't like that because then it does become whoever see, has the most money. You know, I, I understand the haves and the have-nots. I understand what you're saying, but I ultimately think that there has to be some kind of value attached with it to whoever you're paying. Not, but so, again, why not just you can hire an agent and whatever the agent pays you, the agent pays you. But that way, it's not the schools setting things up for you or boosters setting because then you create different problems, right? There are problems in college basketball. I think we all acknowledge that. I think if you go that route that you're talking about, it just it creates different problems. That will be hard yes. to enforce. Well, so take you the have schools to, you have out to of get it. The enforcement steps in there. Right. So again, I would be in favor of allowing high school kids to have agents, and then whatever you know, whatever their deal is. Fine. Don't I don't the schools setting up, you know, payment to the players or boosters for the program setting up payment to the players. Like just get it on the table. I just I think that creates that creates more problems if you do that. I think you have to have everything on the table. But again, going back to that point, I think that there's got to be a value attached, right? Like I, I think that and I think that any businessman, even if they're a booster with more money than they know what to do with, is going to say, "I don't want to pay kids for no value added," right? And and you've got to be able to make your money back if you're doing something with them, right? Like somebody's not going to go say, well, Braden Bay, you you played a great six minutes in that Michigan State game. Why don't you come in my commercial? No, because it's not doing anything for you. But you know what they might do is say, hey, Tyus Battle, you had a fantastic season. You are the star of this team. Why don't we give you a couple thousand dollars to come to our commercial? You know, so or or come to an autograph signing. So it, it, you've got to be able to make your money back in some way. And there on every team, there are going to be certain players who bring you value, and there are going to be certain players that don't. Uh, you know, for for as well as Marek Dolzhai played down the stretch, you think he would bring value? You think that people would show up for a Marek Dolzhai autograph signing session enough so that it would make the the vendors uh, make it worth the vendors' while? Probably not. So he wouldn't be getting the deal. But I obviously, love, I love it. but obviously, enough people would show up for Ty's battle. Enough people would probably show up for O'Shea Brissett. Probably for Frank Howard, right? Yeah. I, I think for those three on this year's team, people would show up enough for them. And it would be worth their while, and it would be worth whatever store in the mall, or it would be worth it for us to to do that. You know, maybe it would be worth it for us to do a weekly segment with Ty's Battle, and we could find a sponsor for it, and we could 
pay tithes, Again, whatever he wants. I, I hear what you're saying. That to me, that's dangerous. Hey, you come here to Kentucky, we'll set you up with one of these every month, and you'll get but X it, amount but of it, dollars. But and again, then, it's not it's not worth it for every product for for every prospect. Do you think it would be worth it in Kentucky to to, to give Quade Green a bag of money and have him come sign autographs before he got there? Yeah, he didn't have a good year, but before he got there, yeah. He was still fifth on the list of prospects they brought in. Uh, but it's Kentucky, and that's my point, is that if they have boosters that make a lot of money, why wouldn't the booster be like, yeah, you know, you come here, we'll set you up with one of these every month. And, and you know, there are varying degrees of what they get. I just, I don't love that, because that it creates a bidding war. It creates other problems. Let's get a phone call in here. Uh, Doug in Syracuse is on with us here on Orange Nation. Hey, Doug. Hi, boys. Believe it or not, this isn't all about lacrosse. Condoleezza just really outdid herself with this one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Scholarships are not a four-year guarantee, right? Depends on the place. Depends on the place. Really? Well, is it at Syracuse? Because I don't think it is. I think it's a a one-year-at-a-time kind of deal. They can pull that scholarship on you in year two if, if you don't live up to expectations, right or wrong. I believe that is true. I believe most places it's a it's a year by year thing, but yeah. it's just so it's not, kind of like you so know we not, talk. Hang on, so, Doug. So, we talk about I'm the sorry. unwritten rules or whatever. It's kind of understood that it's a it's a four year thing because if you start pulling kids scholarships, then prospects aren't going to want to go there because they're worried that oh, if I underperform, like Quad A Green for instance, if he underperforms year one at Kentucky, he would be worried he would lose his scholarships. Programs that's bad business because you you know you don't want that to get out. So I believe. Technically, on the books, it's a year-to-year thing, but it's one of those unwritten rules that if you come here, you know, you you stay for as long as you want. Yeah, okay, I I hear you, but technically, I'm not wrong. It's it's a year-to-year thing, right? So, Condoleezza is going to play both ends from the middle on this deal. You know, they can yank a scholarship, which isn't guaranteed to begin with. So, you know, that's a lot of nonsense. It really is. But now, Seth, Mr. Baseball Guy, check this out. I was talking to a guy the other day describing this play to me, which I found pretty wild. All right. Um, are you all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's up? Okay, here we go. Uh, two out. Strike three on the batter, third out. It's a wild pitch. Error goes to the catcher. The guy goes to which I, as an ex-catcher, do not like one little tiny bit, but the catcher gets the error on this play. Guy goes to first, makes it there. Next batter comes up, bangs the home run out of the park. No RBI is given to the batter on that play because they're all unearned runs. I mean, there's three outs. Nobody should be up. They should be out in the field. That's a pretty wild play right there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious about that. I, I didn't know they'd take the RBI away. I know that it's not earned runs, obviously. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a tough guy break. Is a, uh, I do believe a real knowledgeable baseball person, too. And, of course, I cannot hang up without mentioning Friday night at 8.30 down at Clockner Stadium. Pretty darn big lacrosse game going on on ESPN News. So there you go. So thanks for taking my call, Jim. All right. Appreciate it, Doug. As always, we're up against the clock. Got to take a timeout. Full lines remain open. 315-437-7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. From Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village. 315-437-7644. Appreciate you uh, holding down the fort yesterday, Seth. Uh, I'm yeah, still, we got uh, through it. Still a little under the weather today, but uh, but fighting through it. So we'd love to hear from you. Again, 315-437-7644. No show tomorrow. We've got 
New York Mets baseball in the afternoon. Then we'll be back with you on Friday, recapping what happens in the first round of the NFL draft. And that's why we're going draft heavy today. It's our last show before the draft. So much has been made about... You know, who are the Browns going to take at number one? You heard Connor Hughes just say it. You know, usually there's not this much suspense going into the draft with with what the the number one team is going to do with the team that owns the number one overall pick. They could go a variety of ways. We keep hearing Josh Allen. It seems like the Browns are the only ones that would consider Josh Allen the best quarterback in this draft, unless that's a smokescreen and they're going to pick Sam Darnold, in in which case, you know, the other teams are going to have to adjust. Yeah, uh, two things on that, Steve. I, I mean, we're less than 36 hours from the draft. We're less than, what, thir- th- we're about, what, 30 hours from the draft at, at this point? And, and normally we know what the first overall pick is by now. And, and in the old days when it, there, there wasn't a, a rookie wage scale, these guys had signed contracts already by now, right? Like, Sam Bradford had his contract signed 30 hours out of the draft. Like, like we knew who the pick was. And, and so to me, it's amazing that, that we don't know this yet. Uh, you know, mo- most years it's obvious. I mean, last year we knew it was Miles Garrett. You know, the year before we we we've known the first round pick, the, the first overall pick for so long. Sometimes so much that we know what the first two picks are, or the first three picks are. Um, so the fact that we don't know that yet, I think, is fascinating. And, and on your Josh Allen point, I read this earlier in the week. I, I think last night on SB Nation, um, <laughs> there is. I don't know that there's ever been a bigger disconnect between what football people think of Josh Allen or what football people think of a player and, like, what fans think of a player. Because football people seem to love Josh Allen, and they're like, man, he's six foot five. he's got a huge arm, he was playing with crappy talent around him, like, he's going to be good. And then, like, other people, right, fans, me, you, whoever's watching football, it's like, that guy's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he completed 54% of his passes. He's awful. Uh, so I'm fascinated to see where he goes because I don't I, I can't think of another player that will get drafted and it doesn't matter who drafts him, he will be hated by that team's fan base immediately, right? Like nobody's gonna be happy if their team drafts Josh Allen. I saw this the other day on Twitter that his highest completion percentage in his career is fifty nine point five percent, and that was his his JV season in high school. Yes, that's his highest. Yes. He's never gotten to sixty. I, I saw this stat, which I think is mind blowing, and, and compared to another stat that I heard of Baker Mayfield's, but uh, Josh Allen on passes at or behind the line of scrimmage last year, at or behind the line of scrimmage last year, completed fifty two percent. No, is that true? How could that be true? <laughs> How could that be true? Baker Mayfield, or, uh, yeah, it, it was like in the 50s. Maybe it was 59, uh, but whatever. I mean, that's still, still not good. I thought you were going right. to say 75. No. Baker Mayfield on passes 20 yards downfield completed 52% of his passes. 20 yards downfield or more, he completed How could that roughly be? the same as what Josh Allen completed at the line of scrimmage or behind it. Like, it doesn't matter who drafts him. No one's going to like it. It's going to, it's so funny. And watch, he's going to go have a great NFL career. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, that's that's the that's one of the two things that I will I will put my foot down and stand on in this draft for a while. It was my only one. I will put my foot down and say there's that Josh Allen will not have a successful NFL career. He will not be a good quarterback. The other one is that it's dumb for the Giants to take Saquon Barkley. I'm with you on both those points. Um, we know that history tells us it's essentially a 50-50 proposition when you draft a quarterback in the first round, whether or not they they have good to great NFL careers. And you know, for every 
Peyton Manning, there's a Ryan Leaf, and and we've you know we've talked about that year in and year For out. Every Tom Brady, there are six quarterbacks who are bad. <laughs> so of these four, history tells us two, two are going to be good, two, and two of are them are going to be good, and two of them are not. And and my money says Josh Allen's going to be one of them that's not going to be good. And then of the other three, I'm not. You so think sure. Baker's going to be bad? I, you don't like Baker? I don't like Baker Mayfield. I like Baker Mayfield. Um, I want the Giants to draft Baker Mayfield. I think that he would fit. I think that it it would work. Maybe I think it would. I think he would work in New York. I, I think he's got something to him that works. Oh well, there's no doubt that that swagger that he has and that confidence. Uh, yeah, but it's not that, like, that would play in New York. He's got like a swagger and a confidence, but it doesn't feel over the top where it would be detrimental to him in New York. <sighs> like if you threw Johnny Manziel into New York, he. He, he would have been out of the league even faster yeah. than he was in Cleveland. I'm telling you, Seth, there's a little Johnny Manziel in this guy. There's a little Bo Callahan in, in There it. is. There's a lot of Bo Callahan I, in I Baker mean, I, Mayfield. I wouldn't know, but you got to watch the movie, and then you'll be like, you know what? I know what, I, I get what Steve's saying now. Again, that was the analogy my son brought up, and it was spot on. We saw that movie together. It's spot on. He's he. I don't want to say he's a fraud, because he's obviously talented, but there is something that I don't quite trust about Baker Mayfield. Again, if he's the face of your franchise and the leader of your team and the, your quarterback for 10 years, theoretically, that's why you would draft him two or three. Right. I, there's, I just don't trust him. I think Darnold is the I safest do. of the four. Yes. Um, and then after that, again, I, it's, it's a 50-50 proposition. I think Darnold will succeed. I think he will be good to great. And then, I, you know, history tells us one of the other guys will be good. And I don't think it's going to be Baker Mayfield, and I don't think it's going to be Josh Allen. So I, I guess that leaves so Lamar Josh Jackson. Ro- or jo- Rosen? I, I, I guess it leaves Rosen and potentially Lamar Jackson. And Mason again, Rudolph? I have I have some Mason qu- Rudolph? I have some questions about Jackson. I don't think he's going in the first round. I know you do. I think th- he will. I know you think he will. I think he will because I, I think that this is important, and it's, it's a stupid thing, but uh, we've seen this happen so often where – you know, teams take advantage of young quarterbacks. Look at what the Rams are doing right now, right? Jared Goff, even at the first overall pick, is being paid such a premium. You know, uh, such a such a uh, a small chunk of change compared to what top quarterbacks are being paid that they can go out and fill out their roster with Brandon Cooks and and Akeem Talib and and Marcus Peters and all these great players that they've acquired, and they can do that because they don't have to pay their quarterback anything. So I think that somebody will trade into the fir- the end of the first round or. One of those teams late in the first round, the Patriots, the Bills with their 22nd pick, something, will go and take a quarterback, Mason Rudolph, because they can get him for an extra year, right? The first round quarterback has that extra year on their contract, and, and I think that ultimately that plays a role in this, and I, I think somebody will pick him up late. All right, so that would leave essentially six quarterbacks then. Six first so round you, you think six yeah. will be taken in the first round if that's the case. Again, history tells us three will be good, three you know, will will fizzle or have short NFL careers or, or maybe yep. end up you know being backups in this league. Um, again, I think Darnold's the safest pick. I tend to think the Browns would be stupid not to take Sam Darnold number one. I think they're going to mess it up. You think they're going to take Allen? Yeah. So you're buying the... the I see, I think it's a smokescreen. I think it's... But it's been... it's. I would say it's a smokescreen if it wasn't that the whole time. Like, the whole entire process, it's been Josh Allen's going number one. The whole entire time. If you're the Browns, though, and, and let, let's let say that you you really think that he's the best quarterback in the draft, don't you like start scratching your head a little bit when you see everybody else's mock drafts or what, what have you, and Allen is the fourth of the of the big four? Allen, but do, but a lot of you, people like him fourth. Can't you not 
worry yourself with that? No, but you're you know, the like, Browns. You like if you were the Patriots, I would say, all right, let's trust no, ourselves. No, we're no, always no, no, right. No, 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 no. But this is a new this is a new regime. This this GM is doing is making his first draft with this team. No, no, Even no, no, no. Even more reason no. to make sure you get it right. But you Who, can't. Let, but you can't be looking at other I'm not say, at outside sources and be like, well, they listen. They all think that he's going to be say, terrible, and our fans will burn him at the stake when we go to introduce him. Well, but you know, two what? things there. I'm saying this tongue in cheek. Do I really think that they're looking at who? You know who everybody else likes. No, but you say you can't worry about what your fans think. To some degree, I think you to take that into account, like how this is going to play. This is you just said. This is your. It's the number one pick. This is your chance. You know you can never you, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, that's why you take another quarterback at four and just try and figure out fifty proposition. One of them's got to be good. Exactly. So you take Darnold at number one, and Allen will still be there at four. Exactly. And then you get you get both guys. Exactly. Um, I think you do have to take that into account. I think you do. What the fans want. How that guy would play with your fan base because you don't want to set up a guy for failure. And I think you have to take it all into account. Well, now, if you, if you firmly believe Allen is the best, then you take him. I just I would be shocked if the Browns figured something out that no one else figured out. Here's here's the thing though, and and you know, I know you said you can't set the guy up for failure. How many times have draft picks been booed? And this was the biggest thing ever at Radio City, right? When it was the Jets fans or the Giants McNabb fans. McNabb got booed mercilessly. That was actually the example I was going to use. How many times have fa- have t- have players gotten booed when they got picked only to go and have a fantastic career for that pl- that team? Understood. Right? And, and the Donovan McNabb, there, that Donovan was a position McNabb thing, though. Booed, they didn't want a he, quarterback then. And he, he, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, right? Understood. I, I didn't think borderline out, but he's a borderline Hall of Famer, so... I think that you can have the snap judgment and say, man, I hate this pick. This pick stinks. I did it with Odell Beckham Jr. I said, I think this is a terrible pick. I don't know why the Giants are doing it. They have so many other needs. And and he's only three years later the best receiver in the league. There's so- a difference, though, with a fan base booing a pick because they wanted someone else or booing a pick because it's that guy. Like, you pick that guy? Like, we're booing that. Like, they weren't booing Donovan McNabb. They were booing... That it wasn't Ricky Williams. Exactly. It was It was the position. It was... We, we wanted someone else. It, in this case, you get the feeling that they would, if they booed, it would be Nick we fans, don't like that pick. Nick fans booed Porzingis because they didn't like him. They didn't know what he was. Right. They're like, it you worked stink. Out. It's All worked right. out. Alright, let's take a time out. We'll get John Doss's thoughts on this from WEWS in Cleveland, Ohio. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio.